I am a child of God. Amen? Amen. We can declare that as a church today. Well, good morning, church family. It's a blessing to be here with you. And uh, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to open God's word with you. I'm excited to dive deep into what God would have for us this morning. And today we're going to be talking about serving his kingdom. And if we look back over the last four weeks, we've been looking at being immersed in God's word, the importance of prayer in the believer's life, how believers are called to do life in community. And then Pastor Rick last week, he preached an awesome sermon on the Holy Spirit. And this last semester of DC groups, it's been so enriching. We've been gathering together and teaching and applying all of what the Word of God has to say about being a devoted disciple of Jesus Christ. And this morning, we'll look at the glorious cross, the new life, and the new life mission, serving His kingdom. Let's pray together. Father, we need your help today. We need your grace today. Father, we pray that you would draw us in closer. God, as we open up your word this morning, I pray that it would illuminate areas of our life that we need to turn over to you. God, I pray that we would be reminded today why we have been saved and what the mission for us is. God, we just thank you for your grace today. God, I just want to ask you to look over the team that is in Israel at this moment, Pastor Rick and Pastor Ken and their wives and many people from our congregation are following in the footsteps of, of Jesus, literally. I know Pastor Rick is preaching this morning, God, so I pray that you give him grace and favor as he reaches out to the congregation there. God, we love them so very much. We pray that you protect them, but enrich them and grow them in the knowledge of you. God, we just thank you for them. We just thank you for this morning. Give us teachable hearts today. We love you, and in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. There is no greater investment with your time, talent, and treasures than investing in the kingdom of God. When we invest in the kingdom of God, your investment will go farther, impact deeper, and cause change for this generation and future generations to come, it will, and it will also help you in the long run. When you invest in the kingdom of God, God's people will reap the rewards. See, Jesus, in the beginning of his teaching, in his first public sermon that was documented on the Sermon of the Mount, he taught about blessed are this and blessed are that. He talked about the salt and light. We'll talk about that in a little bit. The fulfillment of the law. And as you go through, he taught about prayer and fasting. And then he comes to this place where he's talking to disciples, his disciples, and he says, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth. He said, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. He says, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where moth and rust, they do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. You see, at this moment, Jesus is pitching the kingdom investment to those that would come after him. He's talking to those who would get up every day and, and, and claim the cross carry their cross. He's talking to those who would follow after him and in the footsteps. And he's saying to them a really clear message. He's saying, guys, when we expend our lives in God's kingdom, there is nothing that can destroy, diminish, or even steal our investment. So if you are saved, you have the potential for the kingdom. I say this often. I believe that we are full of potential for the kingdom as God's people, but often we die full of that potential. So I want to say, don't die full. 
Live your life in such a way that your time, talent, and treasures are invested in the kingdom. Live your life in such a way that when it's time to go home, when the race is finally done, when this tent is broken and ready to be folded up, when God has deemed the time for you to come and be with him, you can say that I spent my life in such a way that my time, treasures, and talents were just invested in the kingdom of God, and I'm ready to come home and see my king. So every time I, I open God's word and I try to put a sermon together, I ask myself questions. So if we're looking at the investment of God's kingdom and why we as God's people should serve his, serve his kingdom, I looked at three questions that I would want to answer myself and I'm going to present to you as well. So the first question I was thinking about when investing in, in God's kingdom is, why should I serve the kingdom? Why should I serve the kingdom? Why should I get up every day and serve Jesus? Why, why does that even matter? Second question I was thinking about is, why should, uh, why should you think about investing in the 111 mandate of Calvary? Being dedicated to one service every week, joining a DC group, joining a ser- having a serving opportunity in the church. Why is that important? And the last question I was thinking about is, why should we begin to tie to the church? Why should we give to the church? Why is that important? We can answer all three of those questions by looking at why we have been saved, why we are prone to focus on ourselves, and how we need to not run from our kingdom duties, but remain steadfast. So that's how I'm going to answer the questions this morning. I'm going to take you through three points. And my first point is this. We've been rescued. We've been rescued, and we've been given new life with purpose. See, you and I, we're we're sinners, and we're in, in need of a savior. We're in need of rescue. In our old lives, we, have, we were destined for condemnation and eternal separation from a holy, glorious creator. See, if you think about it and you know the gospel, Jesus came on a rescue mission for us. He lived a perfect life. He was tempted but did not sin, making him the perfect substitute for us. See, God chose to send his son to our cross on our behalf, and the punishment that we deserve was poured out on Jesus. In return, God accredited to us the rescued, Jesus' imputed righteousness. See, his blood covers us. His salva- in salvation, we are justified. But God does not just stop there for us. This is how amazing our God is. He just keeps on giving. He just keeps on giving to us. His blood, Jesus' blood covers us, but we are also justified, considered not guilty, We are adopted into God's family. God says, you are a part of my family. You're not enemies anymore. I brought you close. You're part of my family. There's a place for you here. And not only that, he regenerates us and says that our old life that we used to live is gone. He said, it's gone. And he says, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to regenerate your life. And Pastor Rick did a phenomenal job breaking down the Holy Spirit because that can be confusing sometimes. And what he does in our lives last week, and we know by his sermon that we are baptized, immersed in Christ by the Holy Spirit. We are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. We're gifted. We've been given a gift to be used inside the body by the Holy Spirit, and we are filled. And we need to be keep, keep on being filled each and every day. So we've been rescued, and we've been given new life with purpose so that we can live our lives and serve the King. We weren't rescued just to go off and do whatever we want. 
We were rescued and gifted and placed in a body to serve. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, he has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything he has done or we have done, but because of, our, because of his own purpose and grace. See, this grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. I just love that. He's called us to a holy life, a set-apart life. He's called us to, to, to bring praise and honor to him. Not only that, we read in 1 Peter 2.9, but we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. See, God, in his great plan of salvation, was calling people out of darkness into light to show the whole world in Israel, to show the whole world in the GTA, the whole, to show the whole world in, in the Durham region that there is a God in heaven that saves. And he has pulled people out of darkness into light to represent him. That's what we are. We are this light. Even in that sermon that Jesus was preaching on the Beatitude sermon, he says there's this one part where he says, you are the salt of the earth. Back in the day when fishermen would go fishing, they'd cast out and bring the fish in, and they would cut it open and clean it, and they would pack it with salt. So the salt would be used to preserve the fish so they could go on a journey. It was, it was used, and Jesus is using this reference to say that we as God's people, uh, we're here to preserve the earth. We're here to, to make it lasting. We're here to, to keep it fresh and point people back to Jesus. I'm thinking, what if, what if God came today and took us all out? It'd be great for us, but what would it be for the world? No love, no truth, no honoring, no honoring God. People would just turn on each other. They would cut each other down. They would hate each other. They would just be mine, 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 like the Finding Nemo. Mine, mine, mine. You'd just be going after that. That's what would happen. Jesus says, Christians, wake up. You're the light of, you're the salt of the earth. Goes on, says, you're the light of the world. Let your light shine before others, and they may say, see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We've been rescued and given new life, a new life with a purpose. We've been saved, adopted, justified, regenerated, and we have been placed in the body of Christ for a purpose. If you are saved, you have purpose. I love that. I love that Christ and the Father says that we, God's people, have purpose. As I was growing up, little guy, I felt just insecure with a lot of things, had bad acne, my face would bleed all the time, I hated mirrors. Of course, my family, my parents would have like in their bathroom, these big window mirrors that would just take up the whole room. I'd go in there, I used to cover them with towels because I hated the way I would look. I hated the way I looked. And I felt like I had no purpose. And then I met Jesus. Then I met Jesus and I read Jesus's word and he says, I give you purpose. Wow. If you have low self-esteem and you feel like you're not going to amount to anything and you read words like that, like, I'm going to give you new life, I'm going to give you purpose, that's hope. That was hope for me. I'm claiming that. I'm standing on that. If you've been saved, you have purpose and you have a big part to play in the kingdom of God. See, your time, your talent, your treasures, they're on loan from God to you to be used in his church, to be used in his kingdom. And you have the opportunity, I have the opportunity to invest fully in the kingdom. This is an awesome thing for us as the church. You see, God really has given you such a, an important part to play in the body. He has given you such an important part to play in the kingdom. He has gifted you with a certain gift to be used out in the body of Christ. And if you don't show up, the body is lacking. It's like someone being called into work 
they're scheduled to work, they're scheduled to be on a shift, and it's an important part. The factory doesn't work without this person, and they just don't come to work that day. And then it's like, hey, hey, can you, can you fill in for this person? I know you're not gifted at it, it's not really your spot, but can you just cover that just for this, this area, just for this day? That's what, that's what it's like for us in the kingdom. It's like you've been called, you've been gifted, you've been empowered to do gifts for the church, for the body, for the building up of the maturity of the Christian. But if you don't show up and you don't use your gift, there's something lacking there. You're important. You got a part to play. God designed it that way. And God chose to reveal himself this way to humanity, through humanity. We have purpose And the chief end of man is to bring glory and honor to God. So this is super important, something that needs to be said, something that we need to be fired up about. This is something that we need to be like, amen, and yeah, I'm a part of the body. I have purpose. I've been gifted. But why is this so important? How do we do this? How do we live with purpose and serve the king? Maybe you're just realizing today that I have a part to play. How do I get involved? Why haven't I gotten involved before? Great questions to ask. And my second point is this. We need to refocus. We as the body of Christ here gathered today, we need to refocus together, all of us. We need to seek first the kingdom of God. So when I'm thinking about refocusing, I looked it up in the dictionary. What what does it say? How is it defined? Refocus is defined as to focus attention or resources on something new or different. So this is not the church needs to refocus. This is the personal, individual person saved by Christ, adopted, justified, and regenerated, who's been placed in the body. We need to be refocused to get our eyes on Jesus. We need to take our eyes off those things that are grabbing all of our attention and put it on something new, and that is the king. See, the rescue ones sometimes are selfish ones. We're We're doing a great... Outreach tonight, Mrs. King's got the kids coming, living in a selfie world. We're all about self. We need to come back and support that. Those kids are amazing. Love those kids. But we are selfish ones. It's easy for us to, to, to think about ourselves. It's easy for us to take another vacation or, or add an addition onto our house or to buy an additional house or cottage or, or get a new vehicle or even, even take a break from serving the local body or even coming to church and worship. We're seeing in the leadership of of the church globally, we're seeing articles and podcasts and and different leaders talking about in different parts of the world that the redeemed, the rescued ones, they're checking out a church. It's not becoming a a major priority for, for them anymore. And that's a big thing that we need to talk about. That's a big thing that we need to, to bring attention to. If we've been called and we've been saved and we've been placed in the body, we need to get to work. Because God has great plans for his kingdom. I was reading this book. It's called A Hunger for God by John Piper. And in that book, it says, if you don't, if you don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God, it is not because you have drunk deeply and are satisfied. It is because you have nibbled so long at the table of the world, your soul is stuffed with small things, and there's no room for the great I underlined that, I highlighted that, I started that, and that was a personal reflection for me. How many of these little things do I have in my life that are taking up so much of my attention that I can't pour in for the good, the great that God really wants to do in my life, really wants to do in my ministry, really wants to do in my family? 
Do I have so many of these little things that are, are clawing for my attention that I really don't even have the bandwidth to help Jesus or be a part of Jesus' plan? So I just ignore it. But God is a God of good. God is a God of great. God is a God of his expanding his kingdom. And he invites us to be a part of that. And we as a church, we need to pray and f- we need to be praying, fight for us, oh God that we may not drift numb and blind into foolish and vain and empty excitements because life is too short. It is too precious. It's too painful to waste on worldly bubbles that burst. See, because heaven is, is too great, hell is too horrible, eternity is too long that we should putter around on the porch of eternity. Jesus, in the same, in the same sermon, he said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. And when we have two masters, we have a problem. He said, we will be devoted to one and we will hate the other. And we, we, we know that verse, but then we kind of justify for it. Well, like, that's a, hate's a strong word. Like, I'm, I don't really hate the other. I just kind of just, it's not the main priority. So we are great at justification putting up an excuse. But Jesus is saying, it's gotta be one or the other. Jesus says, don't waste your time chasing after the things of the world, what you'll eat and what you'll drink, what you'll wear, what you drive. He says, this is what the pagans chase after. See, these are not my words, these are Jesus's words because the exact same thing was happening back then as it, it can happen today and is happening today. We're putting other things in the priority spot for Jesus, where Jesus needs to be. I'll give you an example like this. It's like you've been called up to play in the Raptors, for the Raptors. You're excited. You've been drafted in. Like, I'm so little, that would never happen for me. But just hypothetically say, just for this illustration, I'm bigger. Imagine that. But the coach calls me in and says, Nick, you're going to play for the Raptors today. You got a jersey. And he gives me this jersey. I'm like, oh, jersey, I'm on the team. It's got my name on the back. I'm sitting there listening. Coach, okay, what are we doing, coach? What are we doing? He's given instructions. We're going to go out and play. It's going to be really excited. I'm going to get in the game. And the coach is like, all right, everybody on me. Go Raptors. I don't know what they do. I don't know if they do that. <laughs> go Raptors. And then I go to step out of the court, but then I turn around and go. And I start to walk away. I'm, I'm leaving. Coach is like, where are you going? What are you doing? You got your jersey on? You're ready to play. I got to go feed my cat. <laughs> I got to go feed my cat. What are you talking about? You got your jersey, you're geared up, you know what you got to do, you got the play and you're going on the court, you're about to play, and you're leaving? You're leaving to go feed your cat? Yeah, my cat's important. That's what we do sometimes. Jesus says, I've given you the jersey, you're wearing my blood, you're, you're geared up, you're ready to go, you got the game plan right here, you, I've been gifted you, I've sealed you, you're ready to go. And then we go and put another priority that's not, yeah, feeding the cat's important, but it's not as important as Jesus. It's, and I'm, I'm picking on cats this week because Pastor Rick kind of put the dog people down, so I'm kicking a few cats today. <laughs> not literally, but. But as a church, we can do that sometimes. We put these other priorities ahead of Jesus. Jesus says, seek First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added on to you as well. Make God the primary focus. Invest in his kingdom. Make investments that have eternal weight behind them. See, our DC book, uh, The Life, highlights the story of the rich ruler in Luke 18, 18 to 30. And this, this is a great parable, and it, it really tells about 
um, the heart and where the heart's at. And we have this rich man or this rich ruler who says, good teacher, what must I do to in inherit eternal life? A great question. And there's this dialogue. Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God. And then he goes on. Jesus says, you know all these commandments, like you shall not commit adultery, murder. You shall not steal, give false testimony, honor your mother and father. And the rich man looks back at him and says, I've kept all these things since I was little. And Jesus rebuts him and says, but one thing you have not. He says, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor. Then you'll have treasure in heaven. Same passage Jesus is talking about. Then come and follow me. Follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was wealthy. And Jesus looked at him and said, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Indeed, it is easier to, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this replied, who can be saved? Great question. Jesus said, what's impossible with man is possible with God. And Peter said, of course Peter said. I've played Peter three times in the play, and I am adapting to his personality. Of course he said something. We have left all we had to follow you. That's a Peter, that's a Peter statement. I love Peter, though. He's a good guy. Truly, I tell you, Jesus said to him, no one who has left home or wife or brother or sister or parent or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. See, the man who approached Jesus was a moral religious teacher. He was like us. He knew the word of God. He knew these things, and he was coming to God, and he was asking a pretty important question. He had everything, but his heart was still restless. He lacked one thing for his portfolio, eternal life. Jesus tells the man to sell everything he had and follow him. See, this is not a slant against people who have money. See, people use that to justify, like, rich people, uh, you can't be rich, you can't have money. It's not about having money. It's about the priority of what you're doing. And Jesus in this parable is talking to this man and he says, your heart's not in the right place. And the man went away sad, gripping his treasures that would, that would be destroyed. The disciples left everything and followed Jesus. So what's the point of this? Kingdom living is not how people have to live, like a checklist, I came to church, I gave my tithe, a, a, a check. It's about a way that we can live. See, Jesus has offered up his life so that we could have life with purpose. Many want to live their lives on their own accord and just add Jesus in. But kingdom living is the refocus we all need, but don't really want to take or make, if we refocus our time, our talents, our treasures to make Jesus the center of our lives, there's one thing that's gonna shift for sure, it's gonna be our comfort. But in replace of that, we will have joy, and joy to the fullest. We will have peace in the midst of turmoil. We'll have love for others when people are hating and pointing down. We'll have security in Christ when others are running in fear. We will be marked by significance. God will use us in his plans, and God will add to our numbers daily those being saved. Just like the early church, it hasn't changed. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So is God. It's the same thing. We get focused, others will experience life change. Speaking about life change, I got the permission in the first service I shared this too, but God called us to share his, his good story, his great story, the good news, the gospel. One of my young adults, Wes Powers, 
He has been studying. He's been taking apologetic courses. He's been getting, he's just, he's just studying up. And he prays, God, will you just give me an opportunity? And just this week, he was out with a friend. He was helping out a buddy. And, and God just set up the perfect time to share the gospel. And, and Wes was in there. He says, he was telling me uh, on Thursday that I just felt the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit just wanted me to say, share the gospel. So Wes shares the gospel. And the man, his friend, on the 401, gave his life to Jesus. He's here. His name is Nico, and he's now a brother in Christ. Gave him a high five and a hug today. And he's right there. Put his hand. When we get our refocus on, when we get our eyes fixed on Jesus, things begin to change. Lives begin to change. Workplaces begin to change. Communities begin to change. Schools begin to change. Marriages begin to change. Our children begin to change. And it's not just a one person in, it's an all be in on Jesus and what he has in store for us. You see, when we all get in on the plan of the kingdom, things begin to change. What if we, what if I was to put out a challenge today? You know, Calvary, we, we are a busy church. We're doing many great things. But when July comes, it's like a mass exodus. It's like, we're out. But it's May, not July. So what if for May and June, we as the people, we just committed to coming to church every week? Like eight services, we're coming. That's all that's left from May to, from now to the end of June. Eight services, we'll pick one. Nine or 11, we're just gonna commit, we're gonna come. And we're gonna be here. This place would be completely packed. Out of those eight services, I was doing the math today, I get paid every two weeks, I give her an offering every payday. That's four offerings. What if we were to give an offering Maybe you give an offering every payday or every time, you, every week you come in. But some, they, don't, they, don't, they have never given an offering. Maybe if we could set aside just a little portion of what God has asked us in his word for his kingdom, what would that do? That's just four offerings out of, out of the two months. You're going to experience two communions coming together with the body to remember the shed blood of Jesus and, and how his body was broken. We're going to do one today. We'll do one next month. And one service opportunity. So eight, four, two, and one. We're just working it down. One service opportunity. Pastor Calvin runs one of the best outreach ministries every year called Fire Up the Grill. And it's coming up. It's coming up, eh? One service. What if we were to say, hey, Pastor Calvin, after the church, hey, give me a t-shirt and and I'll help Paul park cars. Give me a t-shirt and uh, uh, I'll I'll open doors for people. Pastor Calvin, give me a t-shirt and and I'll, I'll wash the toilets. I'll wash the toilets. I will. If you give me a t-shirt. Get your t-shirts. You need to get your t-shirts. What if we as the, as, the, as the body came together and did that one thing? Invited people to come to that. What would happen? That's just an easy refocus that we could do as a church. How would our church change? How would it be impacted? How would our neighbors be impacted? Local schools. You see, this sounds great, but this easy refocus... This is just the minimum that we're called to do. We're called to come to church. We're called to give. We're called to serve. We're called to be a part of this. God asks, tells, commands that we be a part of the kingdom of God. And investing in the kingdom of God starts with the local church. See, God never intended us, the rescue ones, to operate outside the church. He said he saved us and gave you a gift for the body. You use your gift inside the local church. 
That's why our leadership is always saying, join the church, serve the church, grow in community by joining a DC group. Give your tithe to the work of the Lord. If all of us were to give the Lord for the Lord's work from kids to youth to, to young adults to adults to seniors, every person, every family in on what God's doing, this city would be overwhelmed by Christ followers. Oshawa would be freaking out. There's Christians everywhere. They're loving and giving and doing things. And I'm not, I don't know what this is. Well, let me share the gospel with you on the 401. Your whole life will change. This is what God really wants us to do and what we're called to do. It's a beautiful thing. I'm going to give you an illustration. Up at the campus, a part of my portfolio is I, I do campus ministry with Matthew Jones, and he, he's awesome. And we have a great group of young adults who are up there working, and they have 16,000 students at the school. The school has a mandate to expand in the next two years with facilities and vision to reach 25,000 students. That's a 9,000 person enrollment increase in the next two years. Calvary is getting in on the ground floor of this expansion with, because of the, our global investment, our global board here. They're investing in us to go there. So my campus goal is to have 10% of that. I said 1% this morning. We have 1%. We need to get up to 10%, which is 2,500 students in the next few years. We have full access to preach, teach, disciple, be on the campus, and work with people there. But will we? We have this great opportunity to do, to do this, but will we refocus? Will we put the time in? Will we go after the goal? Or will, or will we let smaller things get in the way? What do you think? Mr. King's shaking his head. He's like, you better go. I'll kick you. <laughs> he won't really kick me, but he might push me. <laughs> we're going. We're going, and we're going to try to have this impact on the campus. We're going to raise up leaders. We're going to train. We're going to make disciples, and we want to reach that 10%, those 2,500 students, especially ones who are international students that will go back home and, and share the gospel in other areas. That same focus is available for us here. You see, we have the opportunity to preach and teach. We have the opportunity to make disciples and be in the neighborhood, to impact schools. We have the ability as God's people to get on board and go after it. But will we? Will we make that change? Will we go after what God really wants for us in our lives? See, we need to be rooted by God by God's word, so well that nothing will be able to remove us. We need to be, remain in be remaining in Jesus. We need to use our voices to encourage each other when times are hard. The whole church needs to give itself over fully to the work of the Lord. See, our labor is not in vain. See, our labor is doing something. It's true kingdom living, and many are in, and some are half in, and some are thinking about joining in. I say don't wait. Don't miss out on this investment of a lifetime. Don't hold off. Don't hold back. Don't make an excuse. Use your rescued life to refocus your potential on making Christ and his kingdom the biggest investment of your life. May your life be lived as a drink offering for the Lord. May you be poured out and filled up daily by God to do his purposes inside the kingdom. 
that you and I have been rescued to live in. It's a glorious hope for us. We know the ending of the book. Let's get in on the playbook and start being a part of what God has called us to do. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we just thank you for this day. God, we thank you for the ability to, to come as the church today, the ability to open up your word, the ability to declare praises to you through worship, and God, the ability to serve the kingdom. God, each of us are valuable. Each of us are important. Each of us have been given purpose. And God, each of us matter inside the kingdom. And God, there are many maybe listening to this today and they're thinking, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't have purpose. But that's not true. They do have purpose. And they're needed inside the kingdom of God to expand, to love, to share, to preach and teach and, and lead and, and, and to get a t-shirt from Pastor Kelvin. God, we really need to serve your body. God, we just thank you and love you for that message. Thank you for it today. I pray that we would take it to heart and we would do a refocus, a real shift in our lives to serve your kingdom. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, it's a blessing to be here this morning, like I said at the first, with you. And I hope that every day that you get up, you think about Jesus. His word is new. His, his word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But his, mer our, his mercy for us is new each and every day. I think by the, when you get up and you put your feet on the ground, you're going to serve Jesus. But there are great opportunities for us as the church once a month, or as often as we do this, to come together, to love each other, and to experience what God has really poured out, to remember him in communion. And today we're going to do that. We're going to partake of the elements of the bread and of the juice, which are symbols of God's body and blood shed for us. And this is for the church. This is for those who believe in Jesus. If you're a, dis a disciple of Jesus, if you're saved by Jesus, then partake. But if you have never given your life to Christ, I would say don't take this because this is for the believers. But I would also challenge you, don't harden your heart. Give your life over to Christ today. Give your life over to Christ today and get in on the big picture of what God's doing for the kingdom.